Hey guys, welcome to the Behavior Tech's Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Ms. Ashley, and I'm a behavior tech. Let's reinforce some of my behaviors. Hi guys, thank you for tuning in to our bi-weekly meetings of Behavior Tech's Anonymous. I am your host, Ms. Ashley. And I just want to say that I am just so tired. (laughs) I feel like I've been more tired a lot lately. Um, I don't know if there's like a moon thing or like an astrological thing. My best friend's into all that stuff. I try to follow along, you know, got to support. But um, I don't know. I've just been real tired, real burnt out. And maybe that's, you know, kind of on me. You know, because we work as a behavior technician, you put a lot of stuff on you and it's hard to like not take it home with you. Um, And it's especially difficult when you're doing things that you don't really, not necessarily that you don't believe in, but stuff that you kind of just like don't agree with. And it's hard to navigate things at work. When you're constantly having to do things that your behavior analyst suggests that you just don't want to do. And you just don't think that they're going to be helpful. I've been really lucky in the past to have behavior analysts that actually listen when I do voice my concerns. Um, But sometimes that's just like not the case. And I have had both, but I really try to, well, uh, I guess I don't try hard enough. But I really do want to stand the more positive side of things. But sometimes you just got to complain. And I just keep thinking about all of the supervisors that I've had in the past that just don't want to listen. You know, when you have to do like a certain program and you just like cannot do it. And it's always something really obscure for me. Like um, at first they wanted me to teach this one little girl how to stand on a scale And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Maybe she needs it to go to, like, the doctor's office. But then it wasn't for the doctor's office, and she was, like, getting weighed. Like, the mom just wanted to weigh her. And that in itself was okay, but then the fact that mom wanted to weigh her just so she could, like, shame her daughter, her adolescent daughter, for um, being overweight. I was like, um, no, I'm really not comfortable with this. And I remember the BCBA just kind of being like, so what? I'm like, well, I I really don't want to do this. Like, there's no point. Like, she can already get on the scale. Why do I have to be the one that puts her on the scale and then records the weight during her therapy sessions? And the BCBA was just like, I don't understand why you have a problem with it. Uh, It's just part of her programming. You're the RBT. You need to follow through. You need to do it. And I was like, okay. Okay. I don't know. Long story short, I did kind of do that for a while. Um, I say a while. I want to say like two weeks, but it was like every single session. So it was like every day I had to put this poor like person on the scale and then like mark it down. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not doing it anymore. And I was like a new RBT when that happened. Um, I guess not super new. Maybe like six months in. That's still pretty new, right? And I was like, I don't even know how to tell these people that like I'm not going to do it. 
I didn't want to be like super unprofessional and just be like, I'm not doing it and you can't make me. But that's basically what I ended up doing. <laughs> and I know that the um, BCBA was like really mad at me for a long time about it. She might still be mad at me. Um, but I just like couldn't do it. And then the clinical director got involved and she was like asking me about it and asking me why I was refusing to run programs and stuff. And if it was worth like risking my job. And I was like, yes. Um, but I kind of just had to, she didn't, the clinical director didn't know what was actually going on. She just got the BCBA side of the story, which also happens a lot, but she was a good clinical director. So after we talked about it, she like understood where I was standing and I guess she didn't even know that that was going on. Um, so luckily it didn't just stop for me. Like that put a stop in for everybody who had her as a client and had to run that program. And like that specific instance, I think also kind of ties in with dignity, which is a part of the RBT competency is being able to show dignity to your clients. And I think that was like a pretty good example. And that's actually an example I like to give to, um, newer RBTs that I train because I know um, a lot of the times we're given like the classic um, example of like, you know, if they have stuff on their face or their shirt, you're keeping them clean, wiping them off, blah, blah, blah. But dignity can also just be for like advocating for them. Like getting weighed constantly is not dignifying. Um, and the behavior analyst that I had at the time, and she did not work at the place this was at, for very long afterwards. Like I want to say she left within the month. Um, but she just like didn't get it. She didn't understand it at all. And I guess those who get it, get it. And the ones who don't, don't. Right. Um, but, um, sorry if my voice sounds like a little weird today. I'm really tired. I just got home from work and I'm just like exhausted, but I was like, I have to do, I have to do this podcast now while I still have the little bit of energy I have left. So just bear with me, okay? I'm powering through, and I hope this is helping you maybe relax. I hope you're listening to it maybe in the morning, maybe when you're, like, feeling fresh, feeling ready for the day. And you know what? Side note. I know I'm kind of getting sidetracked with this one today, but I feel like each time I record one of these podcasts, I'm feeling a little bit better and better about doing it. And, like, because right now I'm literally just talking to myself. I feel like a crazy person. Uh, my anxiety doing it's getting better. Um, and um, I'm really hoping to have other people come on soon, which I'm super excited about and super nervous about because I'm not great with technology. Um, the whole editing process kind of freaks me out. So I can't imagine having to kind of figure out how to get around that stuff. And I'm lucky because my boyfriend is um, somebody who knows somewhat about this stuff. But even then, like, I don't know. I get anxiety if I can't like just do it myself. And that anxiety kind of also translates to my work. And um, I think that's kind of been my issue lately is I want to be the person that kind of makes the plans. And I don't know if it's because I've been doing this for a while, but um, I don't know. I know I don't know everything that the BCBAs know, and I know I can't do everything that they can. It's just I feel like I could, <laughs> I feel like maybe, just maybe I could actually do it. And but maybe that's just me being cocky, but I really don't think so. Like I genuinely feel like sometimes 
that they could like give me the BCBA exam and then I could get a fairly decent grade. I know it's an extremely hard thing, but I don't know. Okay, so maybe maybe not that. Maybe not the whole exam because there's a lot of definitions on it. People have told me about it for years now. However, if there was like a hands-on portion or if they're like, we're going to see what you can do and if you can do it, you can be a BCBA. I'd be like, bet. Um, but not being in charge of myself is very frustrating for me. I don't know how you guys feel. Um, and I just, I don't know. I've been really struggling with it lately and I'm not really good with anybody telling me what to do anyway. But then when I feel like what they're doing is not the way that I would do it, or maybe not the way, like maybe a different supervisor I had in the past would do it. Because I do also tend to hold certain certain people, certain BCBAs that I've had in the past up on like a pedestal. And I know that's not okay, but you can't help it, especially when they're the same kind of behavior analyst that takes your considerations and your thoughts and your opinions. And when they're um, like rewriting their behavior plans or updating their goals, they ask you like, hey, how did they do with this? What do you think? Blah, 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 blah. Just like the common courtesies, whether they take your advice or not, like just being asked can go a long way. And when you go from that to maybe somebody just not asking, just, you know, just doing their job and then expecting you to just do your job, um, which I think a lot of new BCBAs kind of do because, you know, that's the role that they wanted to play was the BCBA who couldn't do everything. Um, and the RBT for them is just somebody who needs to carry out their plans and then that's it, which I mean, technically classically, yes, but I know that, um, it's really frustrating and I have been really struggling with it and it's not like my BCBAs right now that they're nice. They know what they're doing. Um, I just want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I want to make decisions. I want to do all of it. And it's really frustrating to me that I'm not. I hate going to school. I'm currently going to school. I hate it. I hate school. I hate it so much. I'm going to do it because I literally need to be in charge, but I don't want to do it. And I don't want to have to do all that to be in charge. Um, and I think that a lot of it for me right now, maybe, might be like the respect factor because I do work at a school. And I know that even if I'm telling teachers or parents or staff members the same exact information, that it doesn't come across the same as one of the behavior analysts say the exact same thing. Like, I have been turning myself blue for weeks trying to tell these people um, how to do like a certain program. I've showed it to them. I've done everything. We've gone through it. I've modeled it for them for weeks. And then the behavior analyst comes in to see how everything's going and they voice their concerns and they're like, okay. And then they'll turn to me and they'll be like, okay, Ashley, do this. I said, okay. So I do it. It's the exact same thing that I've been doing this whole time. And then the teacher's like, oh, okay, I get it now. I didn't get it when she said it, but now I get it. And I was like, there's no way. I said it the exact same way. I've showed, I've been here for weeks. 
you have told me that you understood. So my only hope is that she has just, she just lied. Like she just gave up and she was like, it's fine. I know exactly what you guys are talking about, but it's happened more than once and like across different schools. And it's not just like me. Um, I've seen it happen with the other RBTs that we used to have in the previous years where they're just like, like pushing and pushing and trying and trying and doing and doing. And then as soon as the behavior analysts come in, they're like, oh, okay. And see, now it makes sense when they say it. It's super, super annoying. And um, I really do think it's just because they don't respect us because we don't have like the big degree. Because I also see them saying like similar things to the paraprofessionals. And um, also shout out to all the paraprofessionals and the teacher's aides out there. Um, because you guys do a lot of hard work and nobody gives you any recognition for. I have had to train more paraprofessionals on how to work with one-on-one -on -one with their students than I think I ever have like RBTs or teachers or parents. Um, they do a lot, if not all of the behavioral interventions that these kids have um, without any kind of RBT certification, without any kind of supervisor slash support people. Um, and they, they're really trying to bust it out there. And I have met people who have been doing this for years. So they have like a lot of like the behavior aspects down just naturally, just from the things that they have learned. And I have asked them like, Hey, like, would you ever like want to be certified? And, um, a lot of them have said no, because they're already doing it anyway. Why would they need a 40 hour certification to like justify everything they're doing? They're like, it's too much work, but they are, they're doing like amazing. And, um, just like RBTs, they're not getting the recognition that they deserve. Um, so if you are a paraprofessional and you're considering becoming a RBT, I would suggest doing it. If your school is willing to offer to pay for the 40 hour training, you have a supervisor at the school because a lot of the times the schools don't understand what um, like our guidelines are through the BACB and it's super frustrating. Um, and then also if they like offer like a really good pay raise, don't just listen, listen. I know the paraprofessionals don't make as much as they should. RBTs don't make as much as they should. However, if you are a paraprofessional that is going to become an RBT, you have to go through all of that and then you're held to a higher standard. So I believe that you deserve like a, like a good chunk of a raise. Because um, it's a lot. It is a lot of information and pressure that people put on you. And it's like as soon as you get that 40-hour training, they're like, oh, well, you're like a specialist now. So you should just know everything. Like, why, why are you confused? Why do you have to go talk to your behavior analyst? I don't understand. Like, can you make decisions? It's like, no, I cannot make decisions. Thank you for reminding me, Brenda. And it's really, really, really annoying uh, when your BCBA and your behavior analysts take the sides of like everybody else. Like there should be no like I'm going to take her side kind of thing. Like they're your supervisor, they should support you, especially like in front of those people. Um, it's just, I'm tired, you know, like I'm just tired. So then, you know, it's kind of circles back around. Like um, 
I've had teachers like kind of request for me to do things that just aren't what I'm supposed to be doing. Like they wanted me to, um, what do they want me to do? Oh, they wanted me to like grade papers for them or like pass stuff out or like cut things out for them. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. Like I'm not in here to do that. It's not really my job. And I kind of hate saying that but it's also, it's true. And if I have like a really good relationship with that teacher and I can see them kind of struggling to like pass out the papers and talk at the same time, like I'll just get up and I'll just do it to be kind. Um, but if it's like a person who's really constantly like pushing and pushing and pushing that boundary and is trying to go like way out of their way to try to make my life harder, like it's just going to have to be a hard no. And then, um, it gets even harder when they go to your behavior analyst and they suggest that you need to do all these things and they agree with them because then it's like, well, what's the point of putting up the boundary? And then it's like an added thing on. So, you know, they do that. They're like, well, you know, you can do that. Like you can help them with whatever they need. Um, and then it goes to you like trying to do these plans and, you know, each school year, has been very different with how my job looks. The one year my job was to implement multiple different behavior plans within the same classroom. And I don't know if you guys have heard about the situation in public schools for lately, um, but the kids there aren't like, aren't how everybody's used to. It's not like storybook classrooms. Like these kids are violent they don't care about anything. Their parents really don't care about anything. Um, they're throwing things, kicking things. Like, it's it's dangerous. I mean, and then, so that's all happening in the classroom, right? And it's not just the kids that I'm working with that are on behavior plans. So I could be trying to work through something and de-escalating one child, and then all of a sudden another kid who's not on my caseload could, like, throw a chair at me. <laughs> or, like, um, or just like run out of the room or jump on top of the cabinets. And then people look at me and they're like, well, you have to do something. You have to do it. And it's so overwhelming. So then, you know, you have like a behavior analyst. And for the sake, like, I know it's at some points, like I have, I do have to like rein it in because I just get so frustrated and I just want to let it out how frustrated that I am with some BCBAs that I kind of tend to sound like I'm overgeneralizing it to all BCBAs, and I just want to make it very clear each time I say something like this that I do not mean all BCBAs. I'm talking about very specific ones that are in my head. And if you're listening to this and you're like, hmm, she's talking about me, you're right, I am. Do better. Also, also another side note, side note to the side note, um, whenever I do have an issue now with behavior analysts, I tell them like to their face because it's just important to me. And what's the point of being so upset if you're not going to try to do something about it? Which is actually, actually, it really ties in to what I'm trying to get at here. So anyway, so the behavior analyst kind of like tells me to like do stuff and it's not working out and it's too overwhelming and there's a million different things going on. And I had to teach myself how to respectfully disagree. 
which whoever knows me out there knows that having to take a step back and take a deep breath before I say anything is like the hardest thing in my entire life. I'm someone who just like spits stuff out when I get mad. Like it just like comes out and then I hear it and I'm like, oop, shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that, Ashley. Why'd you do that? I'm like, I don't freaking know. And it's, a, it's always a mess. I'm like constantly a mess. But I've had, I really had to like focus on trying how to respectfully disagree and like working on yourself all the time is just so exhausting. But, you know, so what are some good examples? Let me think. Okay. So let's say you're doing a plan and it's for this one person and they always make these plans and you're like, your plans never make any sense. Um, now, you could, I suppose, just say your plans never make any sense. What is wrong with you? However, that is unprofessional and unproductive. And when you are giving, um, when you are giving that respectful disagreement feedback thing, whatever you want to call it, you want to make sure that you are, you know, actually being respectful because we don't want to be, we don't want to be the problem. We want to be the solution to a problem. We're trying to solve problems, not create more problems. Okay. And this is something that I have learned from some of my past, like great supervisors is how to give that uncomfortable feedback in a respectful manner. Um, so like just a couple of like tips before I go on and give you these great examples that I have created. Um, so I really try not to make it like super personal. I don't want, ugh, it's really hard. So my feelings often get in the way of everything. Um, back to the astrology thing. I'm a water sign. I'm a Scorpio. And my best friend says that means something like that. But I don't know. So I have to really try really hard not to make stuff personal. Um, and then also... Avoid putting down the other person's, like, ideas and beliefs. So, um, like, even if your BCBA is being super annoying, like, you can't, don't be, don't be a jerk about it. Because, again, like, that's not solving anything. That's just making everything worse. Um, and then, so, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this before, but my therapist actually told me this one. When you use, like, I feel statements instead of, like, you made me feel this way. You're like, well, I feel this way because of whatever happened. Um, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, um, when you come at me and you're like, well, you made me do this, you made me do that, that puts me immediately on the defense, and I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say after that because I feel like I constantly need to defend myself, and I'm, I'm really just not going to be listening to you, um, which brings us to the next one where it would be like, listening to their point of view for why they did it and why they have created this plan because they are the behavior analysts and that is their job to create these plans. Uh, so I think that they can like take it a little bit personally if we're constantly attacking them. And then, you know, the last thing is you want to just stay calm. You know, you want to kind of be like a solid object and basically just like check yourself before you go and you, um, you know, voice all your concerns. All right. So keep all that in mind. And you know what, even if you like do this 
and you're like really perfect at it, I can't promise that they're going to react, but at least you can like keep your own dignity and being like, well, I was an adult about it. Mm. Anyway. All right. So, so what did I say before? You plan. Yeah. So instead of saying like your plans never make any sense, you can just say something like, um, these plans are unclear to me. Can you explain them in a different way? And hopefully, you know, they do that. And I really do think that they will. I've never had a supervisor um, just like completely shut me down when I've asked about it. And I, you know, like that's part of their job too, is making sure that their plans are clear and concise and that we can understand them. I think that a lot of the times, um, maybe RBTs kind of get in their own head about it. I especially feel like the pressure is on to like understand everything all the time perfectly and asking for any kind of help. Like I get very angry with myself when I have to. So, you know, if you see that plan over and over and over again, and you're like, your plans never make any sense. Just kind of saying like, these plans are unclear to me. And I truly believe that they will re-explain it or, you know, try to help you out. Then there is, um, ooh, this one, this one gets me a lot where, um, I'm in with this kid all day, every day, you know, like running the programs, doing the stuff. And then the BCBA comes in and they look at the kid for like 15 minutes and then walk away and they don't say anything. Like you don't get your accurate supervision. So like, I guess in that, in that situation, I would say like, you don't observe long enough to even actually see what the behaviors are. Um, and then instead of saying that, instead of coming at them like that, you can just say something like, um, I think I'm seeing different behaviors than you are. Can you come in and kind of like walk me through what to do when they happen? Uh, my thought process for that one though, a lot of these are like geared towards the school because that's where I am. So it's like, I go in and I observe this one kid for two hours every day for a week. Um, and then like somebody else comes in and they observe him for literally 50, they'll be in there for 15 minutes and then they'll come back out and they'll be like, well, I didn't see any of these behaviors. So I don't know what you're doing to make him act like this, but you need to stop. And I'm like, what? You didn't even see anything. Like it's 15 minutes versus two hours every day for a week. That's 10 hours of observations I have on this kid versus your 15 minutes. You're not observing them long enough to actually see anything. But instead, I say, I think I'm seeing different behaviors than you are. Then there is, uh, this is the most ridiculous target I have ever run. And I have had a lot of those, just like the scale example that I used earlier. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, so instead of freaking out and causing a scene, kind of like how I did a little bit, um, looking back now, I feel like I should have said, like, I have some questions about this target. Do you have time to talk? And I know it sounds so fake, but sometimes you literally need to fake it until you make it, especially because like for me anyway, it feels like they just like, you know, don't respect me. So having like some, I guess, respect for myself and focusing on how I can actually control my words is just the little bit that I actually need to like get through the day sometimes. And you know, these really are just like generic statements. It's super hard, especially in the moment to kind of come up with things to say that aren't super, um, I guess, douchey. <laughs> and you know, like 
I've had supervisors in the past kind of instruct me on like, okay, well, you know, next time you have an issue, like this is how I think we should address it. And I do try to respect what they have said because if they are going out of their way to kind of like correct that behavior out of you, in my mind, that kind of means that they care about you and how you choose to present yourself. Um, so whenever I get kind of like feedback like that, like it might like sting a little bit at first, but I do try to like actually use it and apply it. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. Then I just move on with my life. Hopefully those tips and tricks work. I have found them to work about like 80% of the time. And maybe, maybe the reason why they don't work the other 20% of the time might be my delivery, but I can only do what I can do, you know? And one day I'm going to be in charge of things and I hope that my RBTs are able to come to me and kind of voice their concerns. Now, that day won't happen for a long time. So I don't want all these like little behavior techs that are listening to be like, ugh, just another BCBA lecturing RBTs. No, not for another like five years, which is a really long time. Anyway, anyway, so we're going to wrap up. And just like last time, we are going to read one of the ethics codes from the RBT Ethics Standards from the um, BACB website. And we are going to read 1.02. RBTs conduct themselves in a professional manner, are accountable for their actions, and make an effort to follow through on work and contractual commitments. When commitments cannot be met, RBTs work with their supervisors to address the situation in the best interest of the clients. So there you have it. Now, what does that mean? Uh, it seems to mean that you have to make your commitment, and if you cannot commit to something, then you work with your supervisor with your client in mind. Enjoy. All right, you guys, I will be seeing you next, nope, not next Tuesday, in two Tuesdays. I'll be seeing you in two Tuesdays for the next meeting of Behavior Text Anonymous. Until then, you can find me on Instagram at Behavior Text Anonymous and on Facebook with the same name. So, you know, Behavior Text Anonymous. And then if you would like to email me any questions, comments, or stories, I did get some last time um, and I have been negligent because I've been at school like working at a school and then doing school. So I'm going to be looking at those, reading through those. I'm going to be working on um, some different fun things for you guys. So until then, please go ahead and like and share and comment. And I look forward to seeing you at the next Behavior Text Anonymous meeting.